Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I'm an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Chan. Hello. And today we're discussing chapter 21 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. Now like the last chapter, an awful lot happens, but on the surface, not a lot happens. Anne spends the morning with Mrs. Smith. That's the short version. Slightly longer version is Mrs. Smith thinks that Anne is going to marry Mr. Elliot tries to talk her into marrying Mr. Elliot. Anne says, hell no, that is never going to happen. And then Mrs. Smith goes, all right, well, I'm going to tell you some stuff about him. Proceeds to tell her that Mr. Elliot may be in love with her, but wants the title of baronet, is spending time with the family to try and counteract Mrs. Clay's claims to become Lady Elliot, and also that Mr. Elliot screwed over Mrs. Smith and her husband. A subtitle to this chapter could be the truth will out. Ooh. There was something about the last chapter that when we were reading it, I went, I don't remember reading that before. And we didn't really talk about it in our podcast. When they're standing outside the octagon room, Anne realizes that Captain Wentworth is in love with her. I'd never noticed that before. I had always thought reading this book that it wasn't until the letter and it seemed to come out of the blue that she had no idea it's very different. This is the importance with an author like Austen is that you really do need to read the text. Action novels, they just move from one thing to another, but there's not a lot of plot in the discussion or the comments. You know what I mean? You could skip a paragraph because it's different, but in there you've got to be so careful. This, this chapter is exactly the same. I love in this chapter where Mrs. Smith is talking about where she hears these things from the nurse to the Captain Wallace's flippity wife, the seamstress and what the laundry maid, the, all of these, you know, it just shows that the gossip comes through. There was no secrets from their servants at all. And they would speak freely with them. Because they're so used to them being there, they almost black them out. Yeah, it's, it's just a bizarre thing, isn't it? I just love this sort of slightly circuitous route in which Mrs. Smith hears all the rumours about what's happening and who's who and, and everything. Far more knowledge than, than Anne who's has, there. who's there. Yeah, Mrs. Smith is quite central to Bath society, even though she's not involved in it. When I started to hear the beginning of the chapter and hearing her talk about what seemed to be persuading her to marry Mr. Elliot, once you've married him and everything, you may be able to help me. At one point I felt it was a bit, it sounds a little bit calculated. But then as she goes on and she talks about it, you realise she has no, rather like Mrs Clay, she has no other way in which to get redress. She doesn't try to persuade Anne by telling her what it is she can do to try and make her feel guilty or to consider the, the benefits of it or anything. I think she's also quite honest when she talks about the fact that people can change. It, it's obvious when they talk about them, you know, she was 19 when she was married, her husband was young. And they lived a good life, and they were not strong characters, whereas Mr. Elliot is a strong character, and he's, he's been obviously very ambitious all the way through. And unlike Wickham, he's not a spendthrift. He hasn't gone through his wife's. Oh, once he got the money, he was very sure about what he was going to do with it. He was very careful with it. So from that perspective, the, the one you have to feel so much more sorrow for is his first wife, who must have had a miserable time. She was in love with him, but he just wanted her for her money. Yes, and she would have 
lost all sense of place because she significantly married up. No, she would have to leave behind all her family and acquaintance. Yeah. So she is the, the one to sort of feel empathy for. I love the bit where she's talking about all the things that happened at the concert, like that couple, whoever they were, the Islingtons or something, who were listening with their mouths open. Like the little sparrows, Durands. little Durands, like sparrows absorbing the music. And what about the so-and-sos? And did you sit near the orchestra? And all these questions or all these statements. And Anne was quite oblivious <laughs> to it because all she was thinking about was Captain Wentworth. It starts off with Anne's travels from Camden Place to Westgate Buildings. Pretty amusings of high-wrought love and eternal constancy could never have passed along the streets of Bath. Yeah. <laughs> it was almost enough to spread purification and perfume all the way. <laughs> She's thinking about Mr. Elliot, and it says, how she might have felt had there been no Captain Wentworth in the case was not worth inquiry. For there was a Captain Wentworth. Her affection would be his forever. And then it goes on to state basically that she will never marry anyone else, even if she doesn't marry him because he exists. So Mrs. Smith is very happy to see her, but surprised also. In the last chapter, he did propose. Again, she was completely oblivious to it. She tries to sell Mr. Elliot to Anne and says, he will not be led astray. He will not be misled by others to his ruin. And she's probably thinking about her own husband, yes. who was misled yes. by Mr. Elliot. She's talking about money, mostly, but we know that he will be led astray by Mrs. Clay. Oh, I don't know that he was led astray. You don't think so? No. Anne has to repeat, he is nothing to me, twice. Should he ever propose to me, which I have very little reason to imagine that he has any thought of doing... <laughs> And as you say, he already has. And she was oblivious. She was completely oblivious. So she picked up that Captain Wentworth loved her, but she completely missed the fact that Mr. Elliot was also confessing his love. Anne calls out Mrs. Smith about talking up Mr. Elliot when she doesn't actually think good things about her. Mrs. Smith says, even the smooth surface of family union seems worth preserving, so there may be nothing durable beneath. Then she goes into this amazing description of Mr. Elliot. It's quite long, but I'm going to read the whole thing. Mr. Elliot is a man without heart or conscience, a designing, weary, cold-blooded being who thinks only of himself, who, for his own interest or ease, would be guilty of any cruelty or any treachery that could be perpetrated without risk of his general character. He has no feeling for others, those whom he has been the chief cause of leading into ruin, he can neglect and desert without the smallest compunction. He is totally beyond the reach of any sentiment of justice or compassion. Oh, he is black at heart. Hollow and black, I think, is an excellent description of a sociopath. I think it is. He's not a murderer, necessarily. He is number one. Totally self-serving. Yes. She says, you must allow for an injured, angry woman, which is so different from how she is normally. Because even though she's sick, she usually has this wonderful, really positive outlook on life. Yes, this is the first time you hear harsh words from her. For someone who loves gossip, because man, does she love gossip, she kept her knowledge about Mr. Elliot to herself. My poor Charles, 
who had the finest and most generous spirit in the world, would have divided his last farthing with him. This reminds me of Mr. Bingley and a couple of other descriptions of her husband make me think a little of Mr. Bingley. He's generous, he's kind, he's sweet, he believes in people. It makes you kind of glad that Mr. Bingley had Darcy Darcy. to point out fortune hunters. Even though she's being really open about things, she stops herself from saying something bad about Elizabeth. I used to boast of my own Anne Elliot and vouch for your being such a very different creature from she checked herself (laughs) just in time. So of all the things that are being said, what isn't said is really more interesting. They've had so many conversations going on where all of this is going on under the surface and they haven't talked about Captain Wentworth and has not said, no, by the way, I'm in love with somebody else. So Mr. Elliot used to not care about the title, all the honour of the family he held as cheap as dirt. But now he really wants to be a baronet. He's lived the high life with the money, and now he wants some of the respect that goes with it. And I think also, let's be honest, if he had married Elizabeth, he would have been subject to Sir Elliot. He would not have been an independent man. And he would not have been. An, an they didn't have any money. And they had no money, but they spent like water. So from that perspective, he is still more admirable than Sir Elliot. Say it again? He wasn't a spendthrift. He would take care of the estate. It's very clear that he doesn't want to do anything that would disrupt how his character is seen. You think that makes him a better person than Sir Walter? In some characters. Sir Walter's cruel. Sir Walter's incredibly cruel to his daughter. Mrs Smith does have evidence, and she brings forth this letter that we've actually got in the novel that Mr. Elliot wrote to his friend. Even though Anne doesn't like her father and sister, they are her family. They are her family. And And the way he talks about them is very disrespectful. Well, they are her family, and you are tied with the same brush, however much you might dislike them. And I think the other thing is, is that she can see the truth in it as well. The truth about what he says about her family. Yes, you know, and that's really quite hurtful because most people won't mention it, you know, most people dance around it. I mean, he was right in thinking that they wanted him to marry Elizabeth. Oh, yes. He's very onto it. So through Mrs. Wallace and Colonel Wallace, who talks to Mr. Elliot, and then Nurse Rook, who Mrs. Wallace talks to, Mrs. Smith has a full history of this romance with Mr. Elliot, how they met at Lyme, and um, how he was very happy to meet her again in Camden Place. But also, she knows that before Anne turned up on the scene, he had been trying to weasel his way into the family to push out Mrs. Clay. He admitted no opportunity of being with them, threw himself in the way, called at all hours which is exactly what he did the night that Anne arrived. Yes. It was one of his, I'm going to call in at 10 o'clock because they will be completely unaware. But they were so delighted with him that they didn't mind. And anybody else, it probably would have been considered rude. Anne's actually quite ready to believe this. I have always wanted some other motive for his conduct than a She has, yes. This is not a surprise to Anne. It's a bit of a shock. It's a but shock. It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise because she's always felt there's something more in this. She has observed how he relates to other people and she just can't make out his character at all. He's always a gentleman. And that is, let's be honest, that has to be false. How can you always be? Which again is why we see the cracks in Captain Wentworth. 
we see because the Because we issue. see the honesty, mm. you know, retaining his, his politeness while gritting his teeth. Anne sums it up. Mr. Elliot is evidently a disingenuous, artificial, worldly man who has never had any better principle to guide him than selfishness. Then Mrs. Smith changes tack slightly and goes into her own personal history. The interesting bit here is it changes from direct speech to storytelling because there's an awful lot of information in here. How Mr. Elliot had been friends with Mr. Smith, how he'd led him down the garden path, borrowed money from him, led him into expenses once Mr. Elliot had his own money and did not care that he was leading him to ruin. And then... When Mr. Smith died, refusing to act as executor of the will and basically leaving Mrs. Smith destitute. That's hard to fathom why he wouldn't bother acting. There was nothing in it for him. Mrs. Smith can't do anything about it. She's just a widow. She's not rich. She's not powerful. And it seems very likely that Mr. Elliot held no real affection for them, if he's ever capable of having affection. Well, I think he knows that Anne would make a very, very good Lady Baronet. Well, as you've said before, she's basically doing that role. Yes. All the work of it. Anne calls out Mrs. Smith for basically trying to convince her to marry Mr. Elliot. And Mrs. Smith said, there was nothing else to be done. I considered your marrying him as certain. I could no more speak the truth of him than if he had been your husband. This politeness... There are limits to it being useful, that you can't be honest. I have lost friends through honesty, but I think it is being a better friend to be honest and say, I can't support you while you're doing this stupid thing. But honesty can have a price, you're right. It does, and I think you and need to value the friendship enough to be willing to risk it. But also, would it have made any difference? I think that's the other thing. If Anne had been enamoured of Mr. Elliot, would she have heard what Mrs. Smith was saying? Because we know how people can be quite irrational when they're in love. Would she have tried to explain it away? And I mean, considering she's not seen much affection from her own family, she could make an argument to understand that. I'm not sure if it was her desire just to keep the friendship so much as doubt that it could have influenced because everything she'd heard was it was like already a fait accompli it had already been sorted you know surprised that she hadn't he hadn't already asked even though he'd he'd only been a widower for six months so now we know exactly how long he's been a widower for i wonder if he killed his first wife there's no intimation in the book at all about that and we all know how people could die at a woman particularly could die at a young age or anybody and if she was in a state of depression or anything, she may not have chosen to fight. That's all really supposition. It seemed quite a switch around, and that's why I was a little bit struck at the beginning how positive she was. But actually, the positiveness, when you think about it, was arch, almost that false positivity. When you get news like that, it's like, tell me the news, you know, whereas she was all for, oh, you obviously wanted to keep it silent, so I can't really talk about it, because nothing's actually been said. The chapter ends with... And thinking, if I hadn't known this, Lady Russell might have convinced me to marry him. And then she gets permission from Mrs. Smith to tell Lady Russell to disabuse her. And to give Lady Russell her due, she's very strong on duty. And she would have considered him to have abrogated his duty 
not to execute the will and to leave a dependence in the lurch like that. And that is our summary of Chapter 21 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. Here's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!